You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, and my goal is to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Welcome back to the podcast. In today's interview, I have an amazing conversation with Jordan Dixon, who is somebody who I have worked with one-on-one and just someone who I am super excited to chat to today because she's a doula and I was so excited to learn things, all the things that she had to say, all things about being a doula, how to advocate for yourself, things you want to look for. We talk about home births and we also talk about her miscarriage journey as well and I think it was, it made me emotional. So I can't imagine how it would make somebody else feel who has gone through it, but we mainly shared it to really give her the space to hopefully help somebody else because miscarriages are very common there. They, they are something that I see happen a lot in practice. And so hopefully if you are somebody who has struggled through something like that, this can be a really powerful healing story to just hear somebody else's experience. But we talk about all things doula, home birth, and um, obviously her story at the end. So it's, it was a really fun conversation. I really know that you guys are going to enjoy it. And without further ado, here's the interview that I had with Jordan. Welcome to the podcast, Jordan. I'm super excited to have you Um, selfishly, especially because I am so interested in talking about all things doula and fertility and all that type of stuff because it's I think it's such a cool concept that I don't think a lot of people know about and when I first learned about uh what a doula was locally I was like oh my god I'm totally gonna have one of those oh yeah they're great they're yeah you can't beat having a doula (laughs) so tell people who might be a little unfamiliar what that is what you do and how you got into it Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, first I got into it actually a few years ago. Um, there's a show called called the midwife and I was obsessed with the show. I binged it in like literally a week and I was like, wow, I'm going to be a midwife one day. Like birth is so fascinating. So I just did like a, like deep dive on all things birth. Um, I actually started, um, you know, training to be a midwife and schooling for that. And then where I live is just so desolate that I don't have anybody to train under to be a midwife. So I thought, okay, what's another way I can support women in birth? And that is being a doula. Um, And no one really knows what a doula is. Um, They are, I feel like, picking up speed, though. Mm -hmm. um, I think so. Or notoriety. Yeah, for sure. Um, But basically... So in Greek, doula actually translates to a slave of women in labor basically really? which can sounds yeah sounds kind of harsh but um i you know in our day and age the word slave is not good but in in a sense it's it's kind of getting back to like the roots of of women supporting women in um this journey so like a big thing um most doulas will do is it's holding space for women in whether it's pregnancy labor, postpartum, um, emotional and practical support, advocacy, and then of course, education, like sharing knowledge. Most, especially first time moms have no idea what they're doing going into um, birth and and pregnancy. And they sort of just trust their doctors to tell them everything and just have no idea. So doulas are really um, a sense of support. 
sorry, I realized my camera was muted because I didn't want Tala to start barking. Um, So I did not know. I didn't really know the extent to which they can be a part of your journey. Like when I kind of first learned about them, I thought it was so crazy how they come, they can come to your house and kind of help you a few days after birth to kind of do some of those, just kind of help you acclimate to back to life. Mm -hmm. And like, there's hypnobirthing that they can help you with and all this type of stuff. Do you, do you do any of that? Yeah. So that's, what's actually really cool about um, when you're picking a doula is so many different doulas do so many different things. You'll never find a, you know, two doulas that do the same thing really. So um, some doulas will focus just on, on the, on the pregnancy and being there to support during pregnancy. Some will just do birth. Some will only do, you know, C-sections or home birth or um, there's bereavement doulas that help women through loss. And then there's, of course, the postpartum doulas. Um, So in general, I feel like most doulas will do a few um, birth, birth, birth support Mm -hmm. um, appointments, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then, um, or, pregnancy appointments. And then of course the postpartum, they'll offer like, you know, three or four, um, pregnancy appointments, of course, be there for the birth. And then they'll come visit, you know, a week after birth and then maybe six weeks. Cause that postpartum period is so important, um, for supporting women. And then, yes, you mentioned hypnobirthing, mm-hmm. um, they're spinning babies. There's, um, oh my gosh, there's endless, endless things people do. So what I like to focus on, on my, for my clients is I'm on that more of the holistic side. So more of the, um, things we can do to ease labor holistically, um, get through labor mm-hmm. more, more holistically. Um, I haven't done hypnobirthing yet, but I've heard great things about it. Um, I'm more focused on getting through that, like emotionally and, and physically, um, support, I guess. Yeah. So, and what is, what does that look like throughout the pregnancy? And then obviously, you know, obviously that's mm-hmm. going to, you're going to be doing stuff during delivery, but I know people who are working with doulas kind of throughout the pregnancy. So is that kind of yeah. just more like mental and physical kind of prep for labor? Like, what does that usually look like? Yeah. So mental and physical for sure. Um, but mostly I feel it's education, mm-hmm. um, not only for the mother, but for, you know, whoever, whoever's going to be there with them, typically the father, obviously, but, um, they just don't know what to expect. So we, we can talk a lot about, they don't even know what they want. It's not even that they don't know what to expect. They don't even know what they want. Mm-hmm. So we can really, um, narrow it down, like to just, you know, having the lights on or not to playing music, like just all these little things in between, like that people just don't think about. So that's typically what those first few appointments are. Um, you know, where they want to birth, what they're, who they want at their birth. Um, so it's just sort of, even um even like going through what labor looks like like all the steps all the um like telling fathers like okay your wife's probably going to start making these really scary sounds you've never heard before it's just preparing in those sort of ways so that's sort of what those pregnancy look like and then of course um you know oh i'm super nauseous so okay here's some things you can do a b and c those sort of things yeah i love that and how how frequently do you usually meet with people so it just depends that's something you can establish um you know, I like to be at their disposal so they can text me whenever or, or call, of course. Um, and then usually we'll do probably one meeting every other month and then maybe once a week leading up as we get closer to the birth. Okay. That makes sense. I feel like that's a good frequency. And how, 
how far after will you typically touch base or like how long I guess postpartum do then they work with a doula is it kind of more just like immediate like right after or what does that usually look like yeah so like um as soon as they give birth usually um you know stay for an hour or two until they sort of get settled and then sometimes honestly moms like don't even reach back out for that postpartum visit but uh, typically one week after um just to check in you know make sure they're you know I can cook them a meal, make sure they're eating well or, you know, a little massage or something like just mental check in. Mm -hmm. So important that first week. And then, um, you know, again, of course, always texting. And then typically around six or eight weeks again, you would go check in. Okay, cool. And what are some of the things like you want to talk a little bit more about some of like the specific therapies that or the things that you are liking to do in your practice. I know you want to incorporate a little bit more hypnotherapy, which I'm super interested in learning more about that. I think that's really cool. Um, but what do, what do some of your modalities look like? Um, so for me, honestly, my, one of my biggest reasons I got into, um, being a doula was to be on the advocacy side Mm -hmm. of things, which really burns doulas out. You hear them talk about like, I I didn't last more than a year because we go in with this like savior complex, like, oh, nothing's bad is going to happen and blah, 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 blah. But um, really like empowering the mom to to know like she's got choices, what she can do. And then of course, when you're in in birth and in labor, you know, you're not in your right mind. You're in that um, fight or flight state. You know, you're just trying to survive. So I'm there to step in and say, hey, you know, she didn't want that or explain to her like these are your choices remember we talked about this and this like just really making sure they're not getting taken advantage of because that cascade of interventions can start very quickly and I think that I really like that you brought up earlier about so much of what you're doing as an education piece because I think that's where Mm -hmm. so many people don't even know where they need to be advocated for because they don't really they don't know what we don't know what we don't know you know we right we don't know how we want to advocate for ourselves or it's sometimes nice to be able to have an extra person advocate for you because sometimes like if you and your spouse or the father like this is all like very new territory to most people like especially if it's your Mm -hmm. first birth so it is I feel very beneficial to have somebody else there who they know exactly what they're doing this isn't their first rodeo and they can really be that extra voice Right, right. I I don't want anyone to ever walk away from their birth saying, wow, Jordan, I could not have done that without you. I want them to be able to feel like, of course, it's always nice to have a doula, but women can give birth. You can do it without anybody. Of course, that support is great. But I want them to be able to say, like, I knew how to make these choices and knew what was going to be thrown at me. And I knew how to navigate that, you know, and it was great. You were there to help me along the way, but I definitely could have done it myself as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that's, that's a a good, I mean, that's why you're there, obviously, but I think it's good that you're giving them so much other education and empowerment that they feel like it's just an added bonus that you feel like you're there. Right. Right. Yeah. What, what got you interested in being an advocate for people and stepping into this space in the first place? Like, obviously I know you said that you wanted to be a midwife, but Mm -hmm. like, were you just always interested in that when you were younger? Yeah, no, not really. Actually, when, um, you know, when COVID hit, I had a lot of time on my hands and then I found your Instagram and I was like, wow, I've been living life my all wrong. <laughs> so I, I went through, you know, the integrative health practitioner course and everything. And then when I started to really uh, dive deep into the birth world, I was like, 
wow, like women are, I mean, not only they're being physically assaulted, you know, by these healthcare providers during birth and, and they just, they, they have no idea that they have these rights. And like, I was just horrified to see the things that go on. And even my very first, um, when I was going through my doula training, I did a shadow, a, you know, a shadow to doula at a local hospital here. And I was horrified. Like I saw all the things that you hear about and I'm like, you know, you think like, oh, that doesn't happen that often. It really does. I mean, it happens often. So I wanted to, I mean, even if I could help one person, that would be great. So just helping people and um, having, letting, allowing women to see that there are better options out there. You don't have to just go with the status quo on these. Yeah, absolutely. Have you done any home births or have these been in like birthing centers or hospitals? Um, so, so far I've only done hospital births. I, I kind of went into it thinking, oh, I'm only going to do home births because that's, you know, that's sure. That's what I want for myself. That's where my bias is. I think it's a better route for majority of women. But, um, well, one where I live, there's not a huge, huge market for it. Um, but also I feel like the hospital birth is where I can be more of an advocate for them. Um, and you know, do more of, of that, I don't want to say dirty work, but I guess dirty work. Um, Because typically when you're doing a home birth, it's a little more um, natural anyway. And of course, there's a place for a doula and a home birth as well, but it's just, it's going to look a little different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about home births and maybe like misconceptions around that? Because I feel like when people say that, they're like, well, what if something goes wrong? Or like, and I I go back to your point earlier, like, I think, I mean, you you said something along the lines, like we've been doing this for a long time, like a long time. (laughs) We didn't have birthing centers and hospitals. And I mean, a home birth is definitely something that I'm interested in. I don't know if it's something that I'll eventually go through with. I think there's just so many positives to it and I can do everything the way that I want. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, I don't know if it'll pan out that way, but I'm just like for people, I, I feel like I'm not educated enough to speak on it. Um, I guess, can we talk a little bit about like the positives, the negatives and, you know, just ways that people can kind of weigh the benefits? For sure. Yeah. So um, for starters, I want to differentiate doulas do not have medical training, but midwives do. Midwives are medical providers. So um, midwives, especially so depending on states, too, there's actually a lot of it's pretty sad. There's a lot of laws in place where some states home birth isn't even legal. Really? which How can they tell you what a, you can and cannot do in your home? Oh, don't even get me started, right? And But it becomes a problem because, well, then women are saying, well, I'm going to free birth on my own then, mm-hmm. which, you know, some women are capable of that. I don't recommend it, especially for first-time moms. But, um, you know, that that provides or opens the door for a lot of problems, which then, okay, home, home birth is going to get a bad rap because all these women are free birthing. But also with these laws um, – you know, midwives are scared to go to jail or lose their licenses. So um, in most states, you have to be a nurse to be a midwife. Um, in a lot of states, you can be a professional midwife, which isn't you don't have to go through the nurse, the nursing route, but you still are a medical professional. Um, so there's just a lot of like regulations and everything like that. So that that already puts this stigma on home birth, which is just horrible. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a much safer choice. We have one of the worst hospital maternal health care systems in the um, in the first world countries. And so um, it's 
I don't know how I'm trying like not to diss the medical care system because of course there's a time and a place. Of course. But um the statistics don't lie that home birth is safer for many reasons. But sorry, I kind of went off on last track there. No, you're medical good. Mid- <laughs> midwives are medical professionals, so they carry all of the same drugs and tools that you have at a hospital for the most part. Obviously, you're not gonna they they're not gonna do a C section at home, but um, if you need a transport, that's obviously an option. But transport rates for most midwives is like maybe three percent, um, which is very low. C-section rates maybe three percent, which is very wow. low. Um, yeah. So, and that's because those cascade of interventions start immediately when you get to the hospital, right? You're already as soon as you get in the car, that's considered an intervention because you're not comfortable anymore. You're in, you're you know, in labor, which you, most. First, I mean, first time moms, you've never done it before. So you get in the car, you're in labor and you're already like, what does an animal do when when they're in labor in the wild, right? If a, if a predator comes up, they're, everything's going to close up. They're going to stop. Um, for, they're going to protect themselves. So as soon as you leave your house, things can slow down. And then you get to the hospital, right? And they're like, okay, let me check your cervix. For what? You know, they're going to put their hand up there for what? It doesn't tell you anything. If you can't, if a provider can't tell you where you are in labor just from watching you, then that's probably not the right provider. Oh, so, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many of the way they're talking, the way they're moving, the way they're even where their stomachs are. Um, that will tell you a lot more than their cervix. Well, interesting. Because I yeah, feel like that's very- when you watch like a show or something, that's like gold standard. That's usually what they say. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, most hospitals, they'll say, I can't admit you until, until it's at a certain point. Yeah. Or until you let me look in your, you know, put my hand up your vagina. Okay. Um, Yeah. So home birth. um, I mean, I can go on and on. That's part of being a doula is you have to kind of put your bias aside. Of course, I think home birth birth is the best. Um, But yeah. No, I think, I I mean, <laughs> you can keep going because I'm just taking this okay. all in. So okay. obviously, so I, I think that's really important what you just said about um, like when you get in a car, that's like technically an intervention and that's kind of putting right. your body back in a sympathetic state. So the can that prolong things? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You'll hear stories of how women get to the hospital or the birthing center and then they're sent home because their labor has mm-hmm. completely stalled. So I always, um, clients that do plan to go to a birthing center or hospital, okay, we're going to labor at home as long as we can, you know? And what does that um, look just, like? Like, what are things that people, what are things that I guess we should be doing that maybe like conventional, uh, birthing like doesn't recommend or not, not sorry, wait. I don't mean that. Um, like maybe things that like, what, what are things that you would say, tell people to what is like a healthy labor at home? What can that look like? Whether you are kind of prolonging the labor before you go to the birthing mm-hmm. center or you are mm-hmm. planning to birth at home, like what are some of those, what can some of those things be? Yeah. I mean, really you don't know what, what to expect. There's no textbook, right? For labor. There's no such thing. Every, every single woman's going to um, be, a, have a different labor, especially even, even between their children. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of just depends. And um, that's something you would talk about before. Like, okay, you want um, – where do you want to labor? In your bedroom? Some women like to even just go in their closet because it's so oh, small and, and they feel safe in there. You know, no lights on or we can go for a walk around the neighborhood. Um, you definitely want to make sure you're obviously hydrating and um, eating it as best you can. Um, that's another thing about the hospital is 
they'll say hospital policy you can't eat or drink you know just in case you have to go for surgery really? well, oh that makes sense but there, what's what's going to increase your chance of, of needing a c-section is exhaustion right from dehydration and lack of of energy lack of food so um again that's a cascade of interventions there and um just throwing that out there they cannot legally keep you from eating or drinking so please eat and drink in there when, <laughs> when you're in labor even if they tell you not to you can absolutely eat and drink um is that for the so, whole labor that they tell you that because like what well, if yeah. people's labor is like 10 12 20 hours i mean well, yeah you just not yeah. eat or drink yeah um that that very first birth i went to where i was shadowing she hadn't had any food or water for 22 hours oh and that's where obviously the dehydration comes and then you need electrolytes oh, yeah. and you need IVs. And then that's a mm-hmm. situation where you hear about extreme dehydration and oh, then yeah. it makes you scared to be, I heard a birth story once where someone got like, it was a great pregnancy and everything. And then it got to the birth and she got so dehydrated and I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. God, if that were to happen at home, like what would I do? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and then I mean, hopefully it wouldn't get to that point because I could be drinking and stuff like that. But right. Well, and most midwives too will have those, those IVs to give you liquids if you need. Um, Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's also a a benefit of having, um, a midwife at home. But, um, but yeah, that's, I mean, you're more likely to get an epidural, right? Because you're so exhausted. Like, oh, I don't have the energy to push. Well, of course you don't. You haven't had any food or drink for 20 hours. Um, so, yeah, so eating and drinking and honestly, just being at home and being comfortable, um, even sex can get those hormones going. Um, yeah, laughing, watching your favorite show, bouncing on your ball, you know, um, um, things to maybe like get your pelvis open. So like crawling on your hands and knees and like doing all these crazy um, positions. And there's a thing called um, – like the mile circuit or something and it's, it's like 45 minutes of all these different positions to sort of open up your pelvis for for labor oh, so there's yeah there's tons of tons and tons of things um listening to affirmations I like printing out like little affirmation cards or like pictures of like flowers blooming because you need to open up down there oh, so, that's cool. so, yeah so all those different little things you know everything adds up for sure oh that's awesome um I guess any other like well, I mean, that's obviously a lot of pros to home birth. Any like cons or like anytime I guess we're doing, I'm like thinking informed because I'm like, okay, what's the risk? What's the benefit? Would I guess mm-hmm. a risk in my mind be, would it be like if someone did need to go to a hospital and get something done? Like, is that mm-hmm. out of the question? I'm sure that depends on where they live and the access that they might have to be able to get into a place. Would you say that's like a main risk? Um, or not necessarily because midwives can have most things except for obviously being able to do a C-section. Yeah. They have most things. And then of course, if it's a true emergency, you would call the ambulance and get there as quick as you can. Um, But I mean, I would say the biggest concern for, for home birth would be, it's a mindset thing. You can't go in being wishy-washy. You have to be all in and preparation starts from the beginning, you know, down to nutrition because you don't want to, you don't want to bleed too much at home, of course. Um, But Midwives, they carry Pitocin. So if you are hemorrhaging, they give you a shot of Pitocin and that usually does the trick. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I would say if you're if you're like on the fence, oh, I kind of want a home birth, but like I want that safety of a hospital, a, a birth center would definitely be mm-hmm. the place for you that like happy medium in between there. Yeah, I feel like that's what a lot of people say. It's kind of like the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, if you're, if yeah. you're on the fence. 
Yeah. And then most women, their first birth, they'll go to the home birth and be like, oh, I or the birth center. And then they would say, I can totally do that at home for my second one. Mm-hmm. I feel so, like that's what a lot uh, of people do. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I obviously have no idea what I'm going to end up doing in the future, but right. uh, it's very, I'm such a homebody where I'm like, I don't want to go somewhere else. Like, I feel like I go in an environment <laughs> with all that fluorescent lighting and like it automatically stresses me out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, and so many people have, you know, white coat syndrome anyway. Mm-hmm. So hospitals freak them out. Doctors freak them out. So why, I mean, why, why even put that added stress on you unless, unless you have a true medical reason to be in a hospital? Um, I would say you can give birth at home. And I know a lot of people have given amazing births in the hospital. And so I'm not just, I, I'm not discrediting yeah. that by any means, but I think it's just nice yeah. to know that like home birth, that doesn't mean it's just a crunchy hippie option. Like it's very right. doable and it's, it's especially having like a midwife and a good team, a midwife and a dual combination. Like right. you really can make sure that you're taken care of. It's not like you're right. just doing it by yourself. Right. And I mean, until like what, like the 1950s, really, everyone did give birth at home. So it's everyone thinks like home birth is like a new thing, but really hospital birth is a new thing. Like that's that's the trend right now. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. Very cool. So I know we were talking a little bit offline, kind of transitioning into um, your kind of fertility and uh, stuff like that. I mean, I know that we've obviously Mm -hmm. talked, you know, pretty extensively about that type of stuff. And I think you're so brave for like wanting to come on and talk about it here because through your journey, I, you noted that it just is nice to hear other people's kind of side to things. So Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable talking about it, I would love to kind of open the floor to you and give you, you know, a space to be able to kind of share that, what your story looks like for that. And in the hopes of, you know, like how you said earlier, even if you can help one person, I feel like it's, it's so amazing to be able to hear that. And I feel like for anything that I've ever went through, I love being Mm -hmm. able to just hear other people's perspectives and how people got through certain things. Yeah, for sure. Um, so just for anyone listening, I'm going to talk about my miscarriage. So I don't know if people want to stop listening now or keep listening, but, um, little bit of a trigger warning, I guess there. Um, yeah. So I, um, well, first off, I, you know, was on birth control for, you know, 10 plus years. That typical went on when I was 15 to help my periods, blah, blah. Um, so then when I got off about five years ago, um, you know, my hormones were kind of all over the place. I worked with you a lot and we know I had low progesterone and um, so implemented all those, you know, healthy lifestyle changes. Um, and Then I found out I was pregnant on February 1st of 2023, Um, had, you know, no really symptoms, my boobs hurt, (laughs) thought thought my period was coming, um, and it didn't, so that was very exciting, we were just over the moon, Um, and I always sort of, from the beginning, like, I was in that, like, shock state of oh, this doesn't feel real. And I'm sure a lot of women get that, but like, it was a little more than that. Like, wow, this really doesn't feel real. Like I could not picture myself past the first trimester at all. Like there were events, um, like my friend has a wedding a month before I would have been due. And I just knew I was going to be at that wedding. I just, I can't explain. It was just a feeling. Um, so, but of course, you know, you, you carry on like everything's sort of normal. Um, we right away told all our family and friends we were so excited and I don't regret that for a second because, um, I had them through like, it was a life celebrated. Um, 
And while it did end in a loss, they were there. I was able to have support um, going through that loss. Uh, many women I know say, oh, I didn't tell anybody. And I can't just tell somebody, oh, I was pregnant. Now I'm not. Like, um, And they just sort of feel alone. So I don't regret telling anybody. And I definitely wouldn't change that. Um, we knew we again, I've been in the birth world for a while now. So we knew exactly what we wanted. Um, we weren't going to do any ultrasounds except for the 20 week anatomy scan. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, just because I, um, I, I just, it, the, the risks do not, or the risks outweigh the benefits for me. Okay. Um, Can you tell a little bit more about that? Cause I feel like that's yeah. not, it's just not common. Yeah. Not that it's um, by I, any means. No. Yeah. I mean, definitely if you want ultrasounds, many women that will, they'll, it'll help their anxiety seeing their baby. Um, for me, I just, ultrasounds are so not, not studied, especially, um, on how they can impact a fetus, a growing fetus. Um, we know that it definitely heats up cells. We know it can probably cause pain in there, the noise and everything for them. So I just, it just did not seem worth it to me. Um, and honestly, what it wasn't going to change the outcome at all. So, um, I definitely I don't regret that either. And I, I don't think I I mean, depending on how my anxiety will be next time I get pregnant, I, I don't suspect I'll get an early ultrasound either. Mm-hmm. Um so um yeah, so we we didn't do that at all. Um so um we knew I wanted to do a home birth, but my state, I live in Oklahoma, there's some tight regulations on home birth here. Um they won't do breach, they won't do twins, and obviously I won't I wouldn't know that for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was breach or twins, but I didn't want to get to 30 weeks and then have not be able to have the birth I want. Right. So we found a midwife in Texas. I was planning to go um leave the state. Wow, for I did not know that. Months. Yeah. So um we found a great midwife there and she, um, I mean, she felt terrible that we had to drive a few hours, but honestly it was just worth How it. How far is it? So, so the Texas border is only about 45 minutes oh, to an hour, okay. but yeah, but where my midwife was was a whole nother hour. So we were going to be driving like two hours for appointments. And then when we got closer to birth, we were probably just going to get an Airbnb down yep. there just so, um, we could be comfortable and everything and not drive two hours in labor. But, right. um, yeah, so we did that, um, and I will say too this. I I want to share this because I'm sure other women have had this too. I about a few weeks after I found out I was pregnant, I had a very vivid dream, and I'm already a vivid dreamer. I had a very vivid dream that I had a miscarriage, and um, it basically played out like exactly it did in my dream. So wow. I, I when it did happen, I wasn't like surprise i'll get to that i guess and then um um, sorry i don't mean to cut you off have you ever had like premonition dreams like that before you know i have um starting from a young age too it used to freak my mom out but um yeah i i definitely have um so and i never when i have dreams like that i don't like to speak them out loud like just in case i speak them into the universe you know oh my god that's Um, crazy i got goosebumps because my mother-in-law has like insane premonition dreams and she always tells them because she always like tells them to my father-in-law because she's like, if I don't say them and then I'm like, oh, I dreamt this. You guys are going to think I'm crazy. So oh, yeah. like very yeah. like, historic events, like she's known about them like before. It's, like, oh, crazy. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I've had. Yes, it's it scares me. And that's why I don't speak them because I'm like, OK, I'm just going to speak them into the world, into existence. No, so. I know. I know. Um, I get that. 
Yeah. Um, so I had that dream. And then a couple weeks later, I woke up in the middle of the night from dead sleep, this sharp pain. And I was like, in, immediately I thought, okay, well, this is it. Like the baby's gone. Uh, I just was had this sense of calm, but then nothing came of it. Uh, I didn't have any bleeding or anything. Um, and so I still had all my symptoms. You know, my belly was growing. So I just, okay, I just went on with how it. How far and along then, were you again? That was probably around six or seven weeks, okay. I guess. It was so early. Um, and then around 10 and a half weeks, I had the smallest amount of spotting, like brown brown spotting, mm-hmm. um, like wasn't even in my underwear. I, if I hadn't looked when I wiped, I wouldn't have known it was there. And I, I immediately, it was just, again, that calm. Okay, I know the baby's gone. Oh, um, they say like, you know, mother's intuition, yeah. I guess. Um, I just knew. And so Thursday kind of picked up a little. Um, and Friday, I wouldn't even call it bleeding. It was still brown, but definitely heavier spotting. And I it was the day before my husband's birthday too, of course. Um, and I looked at him and I said, I want to get an ultrasound. And he knew that how serious that was for yeah. me. So he's like, okay, I know something's wrong. I said, I want to get an ultrasound just to like either confirm what I already know or just ease my mind. Were you still bleeding at this point or spotting? Yeah, I was spotting. Okay. Still brown, but heavier. Heavier. And, did, and you didn't have any pain? No pain, nothing. I still, I had, okay, also this is something I would not do next pregnancy is keep wearing my fitness trackers Mm. because I knew my heart rate was going down. Uh, Your heart rate should be elevated. I knew my temperature was going down. uh, Temperature should be elevated. And I don't, next time I know I would obsess about that. So I will Uh, take them off. I see. Second, I find out. Yeah. So if you're like someone Um, who is like very data driven, like maybe not super mm -hmm. helpful, but maybe helpful in the point that maybe it confirmed you're like at that point it confirmed, but mm-hmm. next time you don't want it to be an unneeded anxiety. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, cause I, again, I just had that sense of like knowing. So I, that, that week leading up to before I was even spotting, I was like obsessively, obsessively checking oh. first thing in the morning. I wanted to see my, my stats. So I would definitely not do that again. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't have a doctor here. My midwife wasn't here. So I called an ultrasound boutique. Um, did not know those existed. It, yeah, so they're like standalone, um, and they're they're trained ultrasound techs, and um, I'm very lucky she got me in that day. I saw her drive like thirty or forty minutes, but um, yeah. So I was ten and a half weeks, and as soon as I saw the baby on the screen, I I knew that was okay. I said out loud, I said, "Oh, it's, it's small." And she goes, "It's small. I'm sorry. There's no heartbeat." Um, and then of course that's when it like really feels real. Yeah. So, um, you know, started crying. Um, and um, I mean, at that point, you can, I mean, there's really nothing you can do. They consider they call that a missed miscarriage, and I hate that term um, because if I had gotten an ultrasound, you know, three weeks previously at a doctor's, and there was no heartbeat, they would have had me take all these pills mm-hmm. or do a procedure. And I, that's, I mean, that's not. I know my body will do what it's supposed to do, and of course, there's small percentage of women where their body wouldn't do it. Really. Um, um, yeah, and you know they might get a fever or something, and that's when, of course, you'd have to get that get that out quickly. But um, I've always felt confident in my body, so I'm I'm again grateful I didn't get an ultrasound then too. And then I, you know, I got that three extra weeks of thinking I was pregnant and being happy about it. Oh, um, it was it had been three weeks when you first had that sharp pain. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I really think that's that's when it was. Really. So it can um, take up to three weeks for 
Yeah, it could take longer. Really? Yeah, for sure. Um, and again, I still had symptoms. I still had those progesterone symptoms. Uh-huh. So like my stomach was growing, my boobs were hurting and growing. And um, and then so I went home and it was crazy. It was like my body was waiting for my mind to catch up. Oh. As soon as I got home, bleeding started, like heavy bleeding. Um, so that was Friday. Saturday is still just sort of bleeding. I'm just in my period underwear. Um and then Sunday was when when everything came out. Um, and this is when I was frantically looking for other women's stories, mm-hmm. um, trying to hear um, relatable relatable things, I guess, because I've never, I mean, I've never seen so much blood. Um, it was it was very scary. Um, and you're in labor. That's what they. I don't think people tell you about miscarriages is you're going through labor, you're having contractions. And, um, um, I remember one of my friends telling me, Oh, my sister gets in the shower when, when she had, she's had several miscarriages, she gets in the shower. So I immediately got in the shower and I hated it because the water makes it look like even more blood. Yeah, you're right. So I'm, yeah. And so I, um, I mostly sat on the toilet and I kept running out um, to have my husband. I'm like, okay, does my skin look okay? Do I have color? Like, do I sound okay? Because I'm worried. I'm worried I'm going to have, like, blood loss, you know, or extreme blood loss, I guess. Um, And so material starts coming out. Um, I don't want to, like, be too gruesome. But I knew immediately when the baby came out. I could – I just knew. I was like, I felt that. That was the baby. I reached in the toilet and – of, of course, that's small. It doesn't really look like a baby at that point. But, um, you know, I wrap it in a tissue and I'm still – I've got, like, huge clots coming out, like golf ball-sized yeah. clots, which is so scary. Like, some of them you have to, like, seriously push out, um, which is – so there's this thing called the fetal ejection reflex. Uh, many women – that coached pushing is not is not great that's puts you up for tearing when you're in you know full-term labor and everything so our bodies have this thing called the fetal ejection reflex and basically it's what it sounds like it will push the baby out on its own what makes sense um yeah nature total sense Mm -hmm. so like even when you're at 10 centimeters that doesn't mean you have to push ladies your body will tell you when to push um but my body was doing that it was crazy um so um I, I, I bled for probably heavily for two hours. Um, of course I didn't have any pads or anything. Um, so I'm like stuffing washcloths in my underwear. Yeah. And, um, I immediately also, I started to, um, taking that Friday when I did the ultrasound to confirm, I had immediately started taking black cohosh tinctures, mm. um, to help with like my uterus and everything. Um, black and I, is good I, for so many things. Yeah. And I fully, um, I mean, apart from my nutrition and taking care of my body, I, I attribute my, I didn't have any pain during my miscarriage. Most women say it's incredibly painful. Some say it's worse than actual labor. Um, I didn't have any pain. So I'm, I really attribute it to, you know, many things, but definitely the black cohosh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I bled probably for a few weeks, um, just like light started to turn into like light period every day was getting lighter and lighter which that was honestly the most awful part every time I went to the bathroom I was reminded you know I've lost this baby um but we took the we wanted to do something special to remember the baby so we um bought a ponytail palm plant I don't know if you're familiar but it's like kind of looks like a mini palm tree I guess and we buried it in the plant and so we'll have you know 
yeah, we'll have that plant with us, um, you know, wherever we go. Um, yeah. And so I, I, then my focus was on just getting my, um, you know, besides grieving, I definitely cried a lot. Um, but it was interesting too, because I wasn't surprised, I guess. Which is crazy. Um, I mean, it's, it's so crazy that you, you really like knew that that dream was coming into fruition. Oh, I, it was, I mean, it was, in my dream, I had pictured holding the remains in my hand and that was exactly what, like, it was crazy. Um, it was crazy. Um, you need to take so, some motherwort. It's good for vivid dreams. I, You know what? I started acupuncture and that really helped a lot. Really? Um, no, sorry. Yeah. Not motherwort. So mugwort. Mugwort. Motherwort mugwort. is really good for female hormones, but mugwort I've heard is so good for like vivid dreaming because I – Sometimes yeah. wake up and I'm like, I should have taken that last night because what the heck was that even? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I have my in my dream. I'm I wake up and look at my husband. I'm like, Dream Larry was so mean. <laughs> he was like, Okay, well, don't take it out on real Larry. Oh my god, I do the same thing. Like I wake up and I'm just like immediately pissed at Nick. I'm like, You're never gonna guess what you did to me. He's like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> That's somebody. I'm sure so many husbands can relate. I know. Um, I know. But yeah. I, anyways, so. Um, so the grieving process, what did, what did that look like for you? What, what are some things that you did? And again, I, I mean, as much as Mm -hmm. a little as you're comfortable sharing, because I feel Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I'm getting emotional just hearing your story. Like I've never been pregnant. Mm -hmm. I don't, Mm -hmm. like, I don't, I can't relate in that sense, but like, I just, and I know so many, like, I know so many people who have miscarried and I work with so many people who have miscarried and just my heart always breaks for them. But like hearing, like when you feel like you're in Mm -hmm. it, like it just, it just, yeah. it's, it's horrible. It's traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. So I will say first and foremost, I, I think, I mean, who you marry is so important. I don't, I would not have been able to get through this without my husband. Uh, now I'm going to cry. Oh. Um, <laughs> but he immediately, he's like a big like statistics guy. So he immediately went on and was like looking for like facts on how to help me oh. <laughs> and um, be there to support me. So he was, um, he just, you know, listened and helped me. And obviously he was mourning too. And that's kind of like an interesting dynamic. It's like, I want to be there for him, but it's, I mean, it's just different. Right. It's different when a, a woman loses a, a baby and versus a man and he never got to meet him. So of course, and it's just different, but, um, we were really there for each other. Um, I, I immediately joined a, um, Facebook support group of other women that had been through yep. it. Um, and that did help me for a few days. And then it, and then it just got too sad. And yep. I was like, I need to remo- remove myself from this. Um, but yeah, so I really just did things. I did lots of puzzles to get my mind off of it. And I just took the time to heal. I didn't do a lot of movement for a few days mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, nourished my body. And I took um, an anxiety tincture. Now I can't think of it. But I feel like that helps me a lot. Is that the same um, one you take when you fly? Yeah, okay. yeah. I remember you sharing I about t- that. Yeah, I took it before the podcast too. Oh, I'm like, oh, nervous. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that helped a lot. Um, and then just ugh, it's tough because like your friends and family want to be there for you, but they don't know what to say. Especially my friends that had been through it. Um, one of my good friends, she went through it a few months before me, so I had her to lean on. Um, so my friends that had been through it were definitely. Um, it was great to have them. That's again why I think. Of course, it's a personal decision, but like sharing for me that I was pregnant was so important. Um, just in case so you don't have to go through it alone. 
don't have to, I didn't have to go through it alone. And um, definitely some people don't know what to say and it kind of irks you, but you know, I didn't know what to say. I, I still probably really wouldn't know what to say. I do kind of look at it as a silver lining that I can be there now for, for clients if they go through a loss and friends if they go yep. through a loss, which I, I would never wish on anybody, of course, but the reality is it does happen. So um, I kind of, it's a little bit of a blessing in that way, I suppose. But um, yeah, I just really surrounded myself with, with, friends my husband he was like okay we gotta go we gotta go hang out with our friends I "I don't want to he's like no it'll be good for you so it was definitely good to get out of the house and um we watched a lot of trash tv which (laughs) I I know is the best way to make the brain just yeah not think about anything yeah so that was definitely yeah and then of course I I I focused on getting my I wanted to get my cycle back as soon as possible which can take months for some people I was lucky mine came back about 34 days later after the oh, big wow. bleed happened yeah um I went to acupuncture right away um I, you know I took the black cohosh and then I started taking Vitex or Chase yep. Chaseberry um so yeah I was really and then of course I became that so I wanted to make sure the HCG which is the pregnancy hormone was out of my body so that was another hard thing that they don't really tell you about is you want to you know you want to make sure it's gone so I was still getting positive pregnancy tests for a month after um and that was really sad to see obviously but um yeah everything started going back to normal a month later so I was thankful for that yeah yeah that's just it's crazy how quickly your cycle came back. Sometimes it, yeah. it definitely can take some time. And so now, um, mm-hmm. what are what are kind of your goals with where you know? I guess how I could, I feel like it's probably different for everybody. Like there's some people I'm sure mm-hmm. that once they get their cycle back, they're kind of ready to start trying again. Was that mm-hmm. your situation? Obviously, I know there were some things from your stool test that were like, okay, well, this is maybe a good thing that we can kind of work on some of these things now. Um, like where do you, I guess you feel like you're at yeah. with some of that? Yeah. Um, obviously, I mean, yeah, I know some women, they're like, I, I can't keep trying. I can't go through this with, the, with this again. So they take months off, but I was like, Hey, I'm ready to like get back on this horse. Like I was so excited for that baby. And I, I don't want to like ever I like I almost felt guilt wanting to start trying again like I didn't want to forget about that baby but you know of course I never will um so and then of course too I I would say it was like probably a month and a half after I got my or had the miscarriage my very two best friends here hi Nicole and Vanessa they um both got pregnant right away and I was like oh all right this is on like we, we all need to be pregnant together um so yeah, I've been going to acupuncture to um, – I'm trying not to put pressure on it either. It's You know, it's an exciting time. I mean, you know, the baby-making process is fun too. And so I'm just trying to enjoy the process and um, did my stool test. So I'm doing my parasite cleanse right now. I've been seeing lots of creepy crawlers coming out. So I think that will put me in a good place too. <laughs> good, good. And honestly, yeah. like I just really commend you for being vulnerable and open enough to share your story because – like you said, it's, it's not an uncommon thing to go through something like this. And it's, I think it's very refreshing and very comforting when you can hear other people's stories and and relate to something and you can know that you're not alone. I mean, we're very tribal Mm -hmm. beings. We, we like to know that we don't like to feel like we're alone. And when Mm -hmm. we're dealing with something that like this or just any, any loss in general, sometimes it can feel that way. And so I just, I thank you so much for sharing and, you know, 
being that yeah. voice for other people. And I know that when people, if, if they're still listening and <laughs> I mean, hopefully they are, I get that this topic can definitely be, like you said, you know, a little yeah. trigger warning for some people, but I, hopefully yeah. it's, it's, it's helpful and inspiring in the fact that you, it was just a time to lean on people that really care about you and do some internal work and then you're yeah. right back on it. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, I was frantic. All I wanted was to hear other people, other women's stories and, and connect on that in, in that way. So, um, yeah, I definitely, I appreciate that I can use your, your platform to get that out there. I didn't want to talk about it on my Instagram because I, I was never planning to announce being pregnant on there. I would never plan to share my baby, which I respect everybody's choices on that. But I didn't want to just all of a sudden say, okay, you know, I had a miscarriage and then I didn't want people to pity me or anything like that. But um, I definitely want people to be able to reach out to me if they are going through something similar. Um, And I definitely commend women who do talk about it on their platforms because I, I mean, I'm sure that's very hard. So, but thank you also for giving women those that, that feeling of not being alone, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I appreciate you taking the time to talk about all things doula, home birth, and then obviously your story. It's, it really is. I know it's going to help people. So, um, can you share where people can connect with you, where they can learn more about what you do and if they are local to you, maybe use your services. Yeah, so I am in Southwest Oklahoma. I'm sure you have an abundance of listeners <laughs> in Oklahoma. Um, but um, my Instagram is the Modernistic Holistic. I did take some time off from posting while I was grieving, but I really do want to get back into doing that. Um, so I will start to post more here soon. But um, yeah, please feel free to reach out to me with any questions. Yay! Awesome, awesome. Well, I Thank appreciate you. you so much and. I am just looking forward to continuing to kind of be a part of your journey and kind of see all the amazing things that come. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm really glad that you were able to come on and we were able to finally get this podcast episode recorded. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah, you're welcome.